Very nice. Very nice. Well, it is so good to see you guys. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike, and it's an honor to have you here at North Star. And listen, I don't know if there's like spiritual upgrades that you can get, but I give you a Sunday off somewhere on a pretty day. Is that fair with everybody? That y'all got out on a time change in the rain. Let's go. The 11 o'clock crowd, not near as spiritual as you. Not near as spiritual. They slept in. Life's normal for them, but we're really, really glad you are here. So I want you to do me a favor. Take your Bible. Turn to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to camp out today. We've been talking about prayer over these past few weeks and what prayer is, what prayer isn't. We've talked about who do we pray to. We, we've just been unpacking this thing that we all agree that we struggle with. It's not something that we get. It's not something that just comes supernaturally to us. We have to work at prayer. We have to work at this process. And so today as we unpack how do we pray when we have a big need, I believe that this applies to not only big needs, I believe it applies to small needs. I, I believe that it applies to times when we don't know what we're going to do and also for times that we supply something that we were never meant to take care of, that God wanted to take care of himself. So Jesus, this is the very first message Jesus ever did, Matthew chapter 5, 6, 7. It's called the Beatitudes. So you got to remember, Jesus has been on earth for 30 years. Uh, he's a carpenter's son. There was uh, really the last time we hear anything from Jesus was at the age of 12. And then all of a sudden, at the age of 30, he begins his earthly ministry and he begins getting disciples. And we pick up this story there, Matthew 6. He is now delivering them delivering to them what matters to God, what should matter to them, and really we get to read in on it, what really should matter to us, no matter our place or station in life. Here, here's what I would tell you. There's never a point that you will ever reach, this should not be true of you. So it's not like, well, when I begin to grow spiritually and I begin to grow in my walk with the Lord, then the prayer thing, I'll just put on a shelf and I'll get it all. No, 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 no. Where we're at today is where he wants us to live. And I think that'll make more sense. Matthew chapter 6, this is the passage we've been reading over these past few weeks. I want you to look with me. Jesus said, I want you to pray like this. Our Father in heaven. You remember that very first week we talked about he, he wasn't just referring to this distant father who he didn't know. He was saying, my Abba father, my, my daddy. That's what Jesus was saying. It was literally the picture of not a father that doesn't know your name, but a father that's waiting on you to talk to him. He is that father that Jesus gives us the picture of in the prodigal son that sees his son while he's still a long ways off and runs to meet him. So that's the dad we're praying to. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. We talked about this last week. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We, we, we spent all last week unpacking what that purpose and will for our lives is. And then we pick up where we are this week. And give us today the food 
we need. We have grown up hearing this. This is just a different version. Give us today our what bread? Our daily bread. That's how we all grew up hearing this. And it's just a different translation. Why was this such a big deal? So let's, let's, let's hit pause where we're at and let's step back a little bit. When the children of Israel got out of slavery and Moses got them out and they went across the Red Sea and they got in the wilderness, they turned around and they're like, okay, who's going to feed us? Who's going to take care of us? Who's going to provide for us? And Moses is like, yeah, I hadn't thought of that yet. All right. And so they're, they're, they're in a dilemma there because there's a million plus people that have crossed the Red Sea and they're out there and they're looking to Moses for provision. And Moses goes to God and God says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you something called manna. Raise your hand if you've heard the phrase manna before. All right. So manna literally means what is it? That's literally what manna means. It means what is it? Because when God provided for the people and he sent manna for heaven, basically what he did was every day God gave them enough substance to get them through that day. It was a daily bread. So when the people got up in the morning, they weren't going to go hit the Chick-fil-A drive-thru and then go hit Ziegler's at lunch, then go hit 1885 or Henry's at dinner. No, they got, they got one meal a day, but it was exactly enough to get them through. It was everything they needed. Remember what Jesus said, give us today our what bread? Daily bread. Jesus looks back to the wilderness and said, listen, God, even back then, promised the people, I'm going to take care of the necessities of your life. I am going to not send you into something I'm not going to get you through. I will take care of your daily needs. It's a really big deal. So here's what the children of Israel started doing. They would get worried because on the Sabbath, he would not give them any bread on the Sabbath. He would always give them a little extra the day before to get them through the weekend. So you know what the children of Israel started to do? Well, I'm just worried. I know he did it last week. I know he parted the Red Sea, which was a, like a really big deal. He parted the Red Sea. He got us through on dry ground. He drowned all of Pharaoh's chariots and armies and I know he gave us a meal last week. I just don't know if he can do it this week. So you know what they started doing? They started stealing and storing. They started storing up manna, worried God wouldn't come through. Can you believe they would do that? We would never do such a thing. But they did. They were all worried about it. God, I don't know if he can come through. I don't know if God's big enough. I don't know if God's strong enough. And this whole theory of Daily bread meant something to these people. When they heard Jesus use these terms, they got it. Because it had been passed down from their ancestors that God is going to take care of the necessities of your life. Here's why God wanted us to get it. First little blank in your outline. So if you got your outline out, if you got the North Star app out, this is the, this is the baseline of the day. The biggest reason we don't ask God for what we need, we would rather worry. 
we would rather worry. Give us today our daily bread, I hope. Give us today our daily bread, if you can. And we institute something we were never meant to deal with, and that is the word worry. So let, let's, let's, okay, be honest. You got out, you braved the rain, you might as well be honest while you're here. So let's talk about worry real quick. How many of you have made worry your spiritual gift? All right, raise your hand if you've made worry your spiritual gift. It's like you don't have to think about it, you don't have to process it. Worry just comes naturally. What are things we worry about? Well, we worry about the future. We worry about today. We worry about the weather. We worry about the market. We worry about the Braves. I mean, we worry, we, uh, we fill in the blank. We worry about all kinds of stuff. And worry comes so naturally. Here's why I worry. I want you to write this down. Then we're going to get in the meat of this morning. Here's why worry comes so naturally. Because we can take care of it all by ourselves. We can handle it. We can do it. I don't have to bother Ann with it. I don't have to bother my kids with it. I can worry on point anytime right then. And there's always something. Can I get an amen? There's always something to worry about. Can I, can I agree on that? Is this going to happen or is this not going to happen? Is this going to come or is this not going to come? Is this going to come through or is this not going to come through? Jesus said what he said because he knew what worry would do to you. He knew worry would strap itself around your neck and hang on you like a piece of lead and it would burden you with something he never meant for you to be burdened with. He knew that it would cause something in you you were never meant to have to process or handle. Jesus said, I'll take care of your daily bread. You don't have to worry about it. Here's how I know he knew we would deal with it. In that same message, he addressed it. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to start reading in verse 25. Would you all stand with me in honor of reading God's word today? And also it helps us from falling asleep. Here we go, Matthew 6, verse 25. And so Jesus is continuing on the message. And this is so, so, listen, he could have said this this morning. Some of you getting ready for church, this could have been for you. Listen to what he said. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food? In your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you for, far more valuable than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? All right, pause there real quick. How many of you would live to be like nine? Hundred, all right, if it added time to your life. It doesn't. It, in fact, takes away from time from your life. And why worry about your clothing? 
Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. And then here is the heart. Ready? Why do you have so little, what's the word? Faith in who? God. You know what we're saying every time we worry? God, I don't think you can. God, I don't know if you're big enough. I don't know if you're strong enough. I don't know if you're mighty enough. I don't know if you are smart enough. God, I don't know if you can. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he'll give you everything you what? So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring enough trouble of its own or enough worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Would you pray with me? Right where you're standing here in Compass, up in True North, watching online today, I want you to just take a second and give him over the worries that have been plaguing your heart, would you? Would you tell him, I trust you with it? Would you tell him today, God, I know you got it. I'm taking my hands off of it. I'm releasing it. Father, you hear our hearts. You hear our prayers. Would you take our worries? And may we today learn how to turn our worries into prayers. And Father, that's what we need from you today. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Before you're seated, find two or three people around you that are not as wet as you are. Do that real quick. Introduce yourself to them, and you guys can grab a seat. So here's a, here's a word I want you to write in your thumb in your notes, write in your outline. Here's the word, ready? Depend. That's what the word I want you to write down, depend. <clears throat> How many of you have had little ones at some point in your home uh, as children? Raise your hand if that's been trivial, okay? You do not have to teach your children to depend on you comes very naturally, right? They depend on you for food. They depend on you for something to eat. They depend on you for something to drink. They depend on you for the clothes. But when they're little, they don't even know. They just depend on you. They don't worry about it. I don't ever remember a time 
in our lives where I went to tuck our kids in at night and kiss them on the forehead and tell them I loved them, that they looked at us and said, Dad, are you gonna pay the mortgage this month? All right, they never did that. Ann did, but the kids never did, right? The kids never did that. They just, they trusted that I had it. They were not bothered with the details of life. They didn't think about it. It didn't occupy their mind. And it was exactly how God intended for it to be for us. You know, you look, don't you think back to being a kid when you had no worries or cares in the world? Your only care was getting in before the sun went down so you didn't get a whooping. All right, that was the only thought of your day. I miss those days. I miss those days. There was no, literally nothing on your mind. It's just a day. You're just living a day. That is how he intended for us to be. When the kids had something, right, that needed fixed, they typically never tried to fix it on their own. Maybe a part that had come off or something that was broken and they would bring it to me and say, Dad, can you fix this? And I would say, Mom can. All right, and they would take it to Ann and Ann did a great job at this. But what she couldn't do was fix it if they didn't give it to her. So here's what happens to some of us. Because we don't depend, we are independent, we take it from God. We're like, God, I know you've got this, but let me, let me take it back. I think I can do it by myself. Ladies and gentlemen, the Christian journey is not a journey of independence. It is a journey of dependence. It is a journey of learning. As I grow in the Lord, I trust him more, not less. Does that make sense to everybody? So how do we do that? How do we cultivate a life that lives like Jesus said? Because listen, it is anti-everything we've ever learned growing up. Well, when you grow up, you become independent, which is a great thing. Listen, I think it's a wonderful thing. These kids that are at home that need you to do everything don't need you to do everything as they get older. That's great. The spiritual life, though, is just different. It is a life of dependence. How in the world do I learn to depend in an independent, trying to do it myself world? Ready? Number one, four things. Ask always. Ask always. Ask always. I want you to write this little thought down so you can remember it. My ask never bother the Lord. We feel like our ask get on his nerves. Your ask do not get on his nerves. In fact, every time you ask, you're going, God, I can't, but you can. Does that make sense to everybody? You were never meant to do it by yourself. Well, Mike, I don't get why that's such a big deal. Well, it's such a big deal because when we don't ask always, here's the word we substitute, we worry always. We ask ourselves for the answer, not the Lord. I do it too. 
You ever get your mind going on something and you can create a scenario that is the craziest thing in the world because your mind starts worrying. I know none of y'all ever do this. I just do this. But your mind just starts worrying about stuff and you start thinking about stuff and you start going to rabbit holes and then you get on, you ask Google things you shouldn't ask and you get on WebMD and you go down YouTube and, and you're like, oh my gosh, it's the worst. And, it, and we just never meant to carry it. Look at what Jesus said through Paul. Paul and writing the church at Philippi, he said, don't worry about what? What's he say there? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now, here's what was going on at that church. They were under persecution. They were potentially going to get killed for being followers of Christ. And Paul looks at them and he writes them from a prison cell and he says, listen, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Just tell him what you need. Let me ask you a question. What could change about our days if I prayed and asked everything? The minute it came to my mind, I prayed to the Lord about it, said I worried about it. You think it could change your day? Think it could change your outlook? Think it could change the pressure that you put on yourself and the pressure that you live under? James says you don't have because you don't ask God for it. So I want to give you three little things that are number one. Ready? This, 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 this is for me. Keep it real. Keep it simple. And keep it up. Keep it real. Man, you are walking in between meetings, praying as you walk along, going, God, you don't, I don't know what I'm about to walk into, but you do. I'm giving it to you. Well, Mike, I hate bothering him like that. That gets on his nerves. He wants to be, he told you he wanted to be bothered. Keep it up. Keep it simple. All right, everybody look at me. Your big words do not impress the Lord. Can I go ahead and let you off the hook a little bit? I know the big words impress your family, but they do not impress the Lord. Keep it simple. Why? Because when you speak simple, it shows your heart. God, this is who I am at my rawest. Keep it simple and keep it up. You know what you learn to do? This is what Paul goes on and says later. You learn what praying without ceasing looks like. It literally means that at all times, I just pray. So there's a coach buddy of mine. He lives in Lives in another state, I'll just say it that way. He's really struggled. He said, Mike, I'm so good about what I do till I get on the field and the scoreboard cuts on and we, and he's a college guy, we exchange lineup cards and the minute that game gets going, boy, I get, I get crazy. So we created a card that would go in his pocket. It's a laminated card. And every time he would get there, it was a prayer he would pray to the Lord from the third base coaching box. The kids thought he was all looking at numbers or a, or a card with signs. And what he was looking at is a reminder of why I'm here and who God is and what he'll do for me. And this guy said, my stress level went here. Why? Because in the middle of a college baseball game that matters to everybody there and nobody who's not there, right? You're reminded, God's got this. Win or lose, God's got this. Win or lose, God's got me. If I lose this game and I lose my job, God's got something better. 
You ask always. There's never a wrong time to ask. When our kids were little, we did not have a sign on our door saying, between 4 and 5 p.m., you may ask for something. No, when they were little, they asked for things all the time. Why? They were children, and they were totally dependent on us to help them. Did we say yes to everything they asked for? Did you? All right, no, no. We didn't say yes to everything. But we heard them. And they were just being dependent. Ask always. Number two, depend daily. For some of you that have walked through grief, we have had this conversation. Live in a day-sized compartment. Don't worry about yesterday. Don't worry about tomorrow. Depend daily. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously. Jesus said this. And he will give you everything you what? So either he does or he's a liar. If he didn't mean that, what else didn't he mean? Here's the hard part. We live in a world in the United States of America. We don't have to depend on much more than ourselves. We got everything at our fingertips, don't we? Richest country in the world. I'll be sitting on the couch and, and I'll be watching something on TV, the World Baseball Classic, which is amazing, or whatever's on TV, poor Ann. But anyways, we're watching something on television and I'll go, God, I've been wanting to get this. And the next day, Amazon, it's unbelievable. I've got my own personal Amazon driver, shows up at our house and drops it off. I'm like, where did that come from? She said, well, you mentioned it. I just bought it while we were sitting there. This never happens at your house, but it happens at ours occasionally, right? Well, that's the world we live in. We want something, we go get it. Where our mission team's about to go to, that is not true. There's some of those people that are in Guatemala that have been on their knees praying, God, if we don't get to see a doctor, we aren't going to make it. And their prayers are being answered by a group of people that are going to walk off this stage, that are going to walk into their lives and be the answer to somebody's prayers. They understand, depend on God daily way more than we do. I remember our first mission trip to Haiti. I still remember this. We were in the pharmacy and they were supposed to take their medicine with each meal. And I remember one of the kids through a translator said, I only eat one meal, not three. I'd never thought of that before. While I'm eating breakfast, I'm planning lunch. Y'all know what I'm talking about? This kid's going, I, I'm hoping I get some rice tomorrow. Their dependence daily is very different from our dependence daily. So I'll tell you this. God's desire for you is that you depend 
on him because when we depend on him, I trust him. And when I don't depend on him, I'd say, I don't trust you. Therefore, God's going to put you in situations sometimes where you have to depend. Ask always, depend daily. Number three, work willingly. So here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying go to your prayer closet and never come out. Don't work. Don't search for a job. Don't look. That's not what I'm saying. You do your part. God does his part. Our job is to keep working. See, this church at Thessalonica, they started saying, well, Jesus is going to come back one day, so why should we even get up and work? Why should we even go do it? And Paul begins to admonish them, and he said, even while we were with you, we gave you this command, those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Yet we hear some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work, meddling in other people's business. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus to settle down and work to earn their own living. Do your part but you can't do his part. Does this make sense to everybody? Work willingly. So I had a good friend, he worked for a pastor. It's a great story. He worked for a pastor and this guy was a great guy. But he hired my buddy, who was his youth pastor, children's pastor, worship pastor. He, he had like eight hats that he wore. And uh, he went to him one day and he's like, pastor, I, I just need to talk to you. And he said, well, listen. This is what he told my buddy. He said, listen. My job here is to preach and pray. And my friend looked at him and said, well, while you're preaching and praying, there's a lot of work going on. I could use some help getting the work done, right? You gotta work. There's a work willingly piece. That was supposed to be funny. But anyways, there's a work willingly piece of this that we go, man, I, I, while I'm praying, God doesn't expect me not to do my part. He may send the rain, but he needs me to till the field. He may send the harvest, but I got to plant the seed. Does that make sense to everybody? It's up to him what comes from it. And number four, give generously. It's a powerful picture. We never think about this. I want you to write this little thought down. God is the supplier of all things. God is the supplier of all things. When times are tough, here's the easiest thing to do, is to go into a scarcity mentality of going, I don't know if I can make it, therefore I'm gonna batten down the hatches. When we give generously, and I'm not talking about just to the church, not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in life. We're saying, God, I know you got it. And I know you're going to give me what I need. And if I bless somebody else, you're going you're gonna to take care of me. I was talking to a guy on a podcast the other week. It was really, really interesting. <clears throat> and he said, people come to me all the time and they say, Brady, Pastor Brady, I, I just don't know what God's will is. I don't know what to do. And this is what Brady said. This is fascinating. He said, whenever you don't know what to do, just remember God said to take care of widows and orphans. If you go do that, you're doing God's calling in your life. And he'll supply back to you. It's a good word. 
his blessings were never meant to stay with us. See, the children of Israel, they weren't gathering up the manna and sharing it with their neighbor. They were gathering up the manna worried they weren't going to have enough to get them through the weekend. I can't tell you a lot of things with authority, but I'll tell you this. I've never, and Ann and I will say this as a couple, we've never given just, and I'm not talking about tithing, I'm talking about past that. God doesn't take care of us. I love how Luke, Jesus said it, give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured out in your lap. For God, Paul says, is the one who provides seed for the farmer, then bread to eat in the same way. He'll provide you and increase your resources. Then you'll produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Give generously. You will never know what God can do till you create space for God to do it. Would you pray with me? God, what do I do when I have a big need? I turn to you. God, what do I do when I have a small need? I turn to you. I throw my arms up and say, Abba, Father. And I lock eyes with you. And I remember you're the giver of all good things. Would you take a second right where you are today? And just let the Lord speak into you and speak over you, would you?